DanielBritt.com. Well, for me to say that I'm going to introduce this group to you is um, dumb. I mean, unless you've been living under a rock somewhere over the past five decades or so, you know this group needs no introduction. But I promise that you will be far more intelligent and well-informed by the end of day's broadcast. You can even surprise your neighbors and friends by all the vast knowledge you will learn about the hoppers. So welcome, Connie, Kim, Dean, Mike, and Claude to these microphones. Guys, thanks for coming. Thank you're you. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Where's the chicken? <laughs> now, your family, you get together and eat a lot. That's, that's all we do. We plan our trips around where we're going to eat and the malls. Yeah, the malls. How long, uh, am, am I correct in saying 50 years? Is that an accurate? We have two in our group that is approaching 50 years of traveling and singing. Yeah. And that's my mom and dad, and they've been married 45 years. Wow. And mom played for my dad and his brothers in the first segment of that uh first 12 years so uh anyway that's it's yeah we've got some uh, history going on here but uh, a couple of us are not far behind <laughs> speak for yourself <laughs> and and the the group uh while family group in nature you've seen some other members come through like uh, i know kirk talley and the song crumbs from the table roger is well, roger right? roger was with us first he joined us in 1974, March of 1974, and uh, he played piano for us till February of 1984, and he left almost 10 years. Wow. And, of course, his wife sang for a couple of years uh, yeah. after Kirk left our group and joined the Cathedral Quartet. And so, um, yeah, there's been several that came through. Now, Dean, when, uh, how early did you start with the group? What, what time frame, what year? My very first concert just actually you know, walking out on stage and doing something other than just uh, um, being there. I played drums mm-hmm. early on, and I was about seven years old. I came out on the second round of a concert, one one of those all night yeah, sings, yeah, you know, yeah. in Eastern Carolina. And so I, uh, and it was just kind of off and on till early teen years, and then I went full time later, sang till or played till I was nineteen, and then my brother. Uh, came in and started playing drums, and I started singing. I took my uncle's mm-hmm. place singing. He retired. Uh, does anybody remember what time frame the song Crumbs from the Table uh, came out? That would probably be been around 76, 77. Was that a big song for you guys? Uh, I think so. I mean, it, it people used to request it a lot. It yeah. always was a favorite yeah. of the night. Yeah. Um, Another song that uh, when Kirk was with us sang, mm-hmm. you know, he sang It Is Well with My Soul. And there was, we'd come up with this big arrangement. And, uh, you know, no matter what, Kirk would hit it. If it was <laughs> the last breath of air he would take on this earth, he yeah, would hit yeah, the note. Yeah. Um, while we're talking about members, tell me about the time when Janet Pascal sang with you guys. And and for how, how long was she with the group? She, uh, uh, Janet, uh, Connie was... I had to be off the road uh, for six weeks. Six weeks, and uh, Janet was a local girl, and she sung yeah. with the uh, what's the name of the group? Uh, that was a local group. Because she was from North Carolina, right? Yeah. Across right the county, right across oh, the okay. county, across the county. And so I asked her, to, "Would she come and fill in for, yeah. for Connie one weekend?" And, and she did. And I know Roger; he really. Begin to like her, but she wasn't with us very long for him to. Uh, we can't go there, Dad. It's a different story. We'll let Roger tell that story. Yeah, he'll be here later, so we'll, we'll ask him. About yeah. that. You ask him about that. Yeah. Yeah, Dad, you're kidding. 
Uh, well, the time frame, and I, I know Kim was really featured on building this house on a rock, right? When did when did you come in the picture? In 19- and was it through marriage? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I had sung with my family with the Greens for about um, eleven years full time. And Dean and I had been married for a year. I got married in 88, November of 88. And then in um, November of 1989, one year later, I joined the group. And so I've been here 17 years now. And so I came in through marriage, but uh, we've we've been together for quite a while now. Was there anything hard about leaving one one group and coming to another group and but having the different families involved coming uh, from your, your how much your, time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That was um, probably one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. My yeah. my family was we're very very close, a very tight knit family, and um, it took them a long time to adapt to to the, that whole situation. You know, they loved Dean, and uh, it was kind of funny when they did we, it first. <laughs> <laughs> when we first started dating, they were like, oh, he's such a nice young man. And they really pushed our relationship. And then after we got married and he wanted to take me away to sing, they were kind of like, okay, I'm not sure about this anymore. <laughs> but um, it was it was a tough situation. Did they ever want him to join the Greens, maybe? They- yeah, you know what? A, a lot of the fans were, you know, all Green fans yeah. wanted him to come there. Yeah. And Hopper fans wanted me to come <laughs> here. And then there were a lot of people that said, you know what, the the, the best thing uh, the most fair thing would be for you both to leave and go your own way. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we never felt like that was the calling that, that we should should take that road. Um, but, yeah, my family, they were, they're great about it now. Uh, but it did take quite a while for them to adjust to that. And, you know, I was their main featured singer and, and did mm-hmm. all their producing of all their albums. And so they kind of felt like, you know, how do we go on? But it really made them stronger to know that um, anybody can come and go and you can still make it. So I watched them. Uh- the night they sang at the, the convention this year and uh, uh, sat there through their whole program and watched how they, what they do now. They still, I call it slaying the crowd. And uh, with Tony's wife, yeah, she's come in and just made, uh, I think, a world of difference in Tony. Oh, absolutely. And it's just been a blessing in his life. And so the door, you know, just opened up, you know, other doors sure. to fulfill, you know, God could, you know, fill those needs and fill those gaps. And would you say, um, you're probably biased, Dean, uh, maybe I'll ask Claude or somebody, would you say that when Kim came, she kind of gave the hopper sound a little bit of a redefinition with her power vocals? Did you think she added something that the hoppers didn't have before, something different? Well, naturally, when I first heard her sing, first of all, she, she's got a gift. And a gift is from God, and her sound made me weep. And uh, it's kind of changing, and it's nobody can equal her, not to flatter her, but nobody can equal her with the tones and the voice that she has. Building this house on a rock, uh, shouting time, obviously some big songs that that you have really, um, you've really shined on. This group as it is, and you're all family. That's the that's the cool thing about it. So often, and there's nothing wrong with a lot of family groups will be mostly family, and you got. Somebody in that's really just kind of there to do a job, but um, but from Mike to Dean to Kim, Claude and Connie, you all you're all blood relatives. How does that help in the harmony that you bring? <laughs> well, as the outsider, as far as coming into the group, they all the fact that you're family, you speak the same, you've grown up in the same environment. It it uh, makes you sing a particular way, and so they always had their own style of harmony. So when I came, I had a, a lot of adapting to do to 
try to learn to sing like they do. And in the course of all that, I think everybody sort of shifted a little bit. And I feel like we've sort of come up with our own sound. I agree. It's a mixture of sort of both environments and both sides of the family. So um, I'd like to comment on that if I could. Uh, sure. When Kim came and uh, the first time that we ever sang together, uh, I mean, I knew she's a wonderful singer, and <laughs> and I'm not that great a singer, but I've been sung, singing all these years. But And we recorded a song, and we were in the studio, and when I heard the blend, I mean, I heard something that I'd never heard uh, really in our family before. Uh, the blend that was there, and I, you know, it was great. And the comments to me after that uh, was that that there was just uh, a blend in the family. That that I mean, people, promoters would mention that to me. Said I can't really put my finger on what it is, but it's just a blend all the way through. And uh, actually, though, she can she can blend with most anybody. And Mike, what year did you come, uh, and you are the, the drummer of the group. Um, what happened from the transition when Dean was playing drums and you came in? Uh, are you the younger of the two? Oh, yes. I'm a lot younger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Dean loves that question. <laughs> no, I, I started playing drums um, just at home. I started probably playing drums when I was about seven or eight. They used to leave out on the road for the weekend mm-hmm. on Thursday or Friday. And Dean had this old uh, gold sparkle, I think it was a Slingerland set. That's correct. Mike. Set up in the basement. And and so and we also had some old uh, uh, part of our sound system mm-hmm. that they didn't carry anymore out on the road. Yeah. Dean had it set up in the basement also with an 8-track player. <laughs> and so you could play along with it. So when they would go out for the weekend, then I would take – those three days, and I'd sit down there, and every day I'd come home from school, if I wasn't on the dirt bike, yeah. I'd go down there and play for two or three hours with whatever eight track he had, which some we can't mention. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, and then uh, in 1983, uh, I started on the road full time when my Uncle Will, like he said, retired. Dean went to the front line, and then I started playing drums, and I was 13. Did those eight tracks have such an influence in the variety of your style? Yes. Okay. They had variety because there was a variety of styles <laughs> in that eight, that uh, eight track uh, collection. I want to say this about about Mike. Mike is probably one of the most unique, gifted drummers in our industry. And what I mean by that is that he's very complimentary to mm. the artist. I mean, he's filled in and set in with just about everybody in the business, and uh, he was staff drummer for the Gaither Tour for yeah. three or four years, played on tons of those videos, and uh, I know they chose him for a purpose, and that was his ability to adapt in whatever situation, whatever's thrown at him. So, You've got to be able to roll with the punches in that. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah. kind of a house band for, uh, mm-hmm. for Gaither. Yeah. And then some pretty uh, pretty exciting, memorable moments there yeah. working with the, the – uh, during that time, the heroes working with those sure. legends. Sure. Mike was a, a visionary. He, you know, he's a dreamer. And I just might want to say that, you know, he loved Ronnie Tut as Elvis Presley's drummer. Yeah. Yeah. That was and, one of those eight tracks that we didn't uh, mention. <laughs> but they were singing how great that was. Yes. Aloha from Hawaii. <laughs> but the thing about it, he was so persistent. Mm-hmm. He called him 
at his home. Oh, man. <laughs> he called him at his home, and Ronnie said, how did you get my number? And they talked. How long did you talk? I, I tracked him down because he, he was just a hero of mine. Uh, and, and I wanted to meet him. I always wanted to talk to him. And so I just went through the Los Angeles Musicians <laughs> Union and, and, Said I'm an old friend. and told them that I was an old friend of Ronnie Tutts and I was looking for his new number. And the, the very nice lady that afternoon gave me his home number. Wow. And so that night, about 10 o'clock Eastern time, I called him. And he have a log of, of what you said and what he said. And he answered the phone, and I said, Ronnie. And he said, yeah. And I said, uh, you don't know me, but <laughs> and I'll never forget that because he talked to me for over an hour. And I, wow. I, after about 30 minutes into the conversation, I said, can you, Mr. Tut, will you just hold on just a minute? I'll be right back. Yeah. And I ran upstairs, and Dean was upstairs, and I said, Dean. You've got to come down here. I've got Ronnie Tut on the telephone. And Dean said, no way, because he was a huge fan, yeah, too. Yeah. So finally, he came downstairs, and I said, talk to him. And so Dean gets on the phone, and he goes, uh, Mr. Tut? <laughs> uh, and how old were you? This oh, I was maybe 14. Yeah. Did you ever meet him in person? No, I never got to meet him in person. We heard him, we heard him play in person. Yes, uh, yeah. when he was touring with Neil Diamond. I got to see him play. This is Kenneth. Do you know the guy who did the drums behind the Muppet Animal? Do you know the guy? Uh, animal? Yeah. A- animal on the Muppet? Yeah, the, the Muppet Show. <laughs> this is going downhill fast. <laughs> <laughs> he passed away recently. I didn't know if you knew him or not. Animal did? No, no. The, the guy who plays the drums. <laughs> Well, you're finding out all the details. Nobody asked these guys. No, yeah. Nobody this is knows. this is more interesting to us. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm embellishing what he's done. Yeah, right, right. How persistent he was. Yeah. Well, it paid off, I guess, huh? <laughs> hey, he was a hero. I mean, man, he really influenced me. Do you still live on the same property that, that you've always lived on or have you moved some, some since then man the guy's got the same phone numbers he had for 40 years what are you talking about <laughs> well, same home phone number is that where you would have like some letters and some and you'd have a code number and and is it the seven digit number or is it no yeah you could oh, okay. when you used to call somebody on the road party phone line. party line yeah. party line yeah you could you wouldn't have to dial yeah. 548-2526 all you had to do is dial 82526 yeah and it would ring i got you or or you just went up to the telephone pole and climbed up you <laughs> yeah, know like Mr. Right. <laughs> you know, i live on kind of i live on the very same spot i was born and all it, the children was born on the same spot wow not not no all oh, okay of his siblings okay. all my siblings your siblings okay I'll say Connie and his <laughs> you respect yes that's yeah. right uh, Angie Penrod has nothing on you now you and you call the the studio the farm and is mm-hmm. that still is that the property is it yes right it's here? it's right on the farm down uh, in a in actually one of the big barns that Dad has and uh, and we just took half of it and converted it into a uh, state-of-the-art studio. You get our latest recording. 
Our latest recording, you hear the cows moving. <laughs> yes, on a, we, when we did our Glad Tidings uh, Christmas album, yeah. and Wayne Hahn produced that album for us, so he came over, and we were working on the a cappella song, Oh Come All You Faithful. Okay. And at that particular afternoon, I guess Dad was herding up the cattle in the corral to sell, <laughs> which is right out from the barn. Yeah. And so we're in there singing, you know, Oh Come All You Faithful. And, and, and Wayne's looking around like, where is that coming from? <laughs> and that stayed, and it was yeah, mastered. It was, and, yeah. uh, oh. <laughs> just a little touch of home. <laughs> I hear the Imperials on Praise the Lord. At the end, there's a thunderclap that just came in because there was a storm outside the studio, and it fit, and they kept it. Wow. So I was wondering if the yeah. cow stayed. Well, they, yeah, that's what that is. Maybe if we'd have done away in a manger or something, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they would have kept it. But <laughs> I had that eight track too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I practiced to that one a few times too. Do you rub it in with Russ when you see him? No, man. Oh man, I have a list of songs I always want Russ to sing whenever I see him, but don't get around to it. We were talking about Janet, and uh, this was she was with you guys in a period before she went with the Lefevers, right? Correct. And with the Neelands. She actually, actually, she only filled in while I was off the road. Okay. I, I don't remember if, it, if she was there three weeks or. Two weeks, okay. Two weeks. And actually, Rex Nealon at that time with the Lefevers mm-hmm. was looking for a soprano. And I recommended, you know, she did an outstanding job. And then, then the Lefevers changed the name to the Rex Nealon Singers. And from there, she uh, went with Jimmy Swaggart. Mm-hmm. And from there, she's in own solo ministry now. Sure. Well, and I bring that up again to bring up the Lefevers, and you've done some some of the songs Lefevers used to do years ago, like Here They Come. Mm-hmm. And I've heard rumor, and I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Let the Redeemed, are you redoing that one, or have you it's done it yet? on a brand new one right now. Out and available. Now, I'm interested because Mark Fuller and I are friends, and he he travels with Eva May, and he, he gives me that CD, he says, play this cut. And I always want to play Let the Redeemed, because that old 1974 Lefevers version, it's got the trumpets, and it's just real unique sounding. Mm-hmm. How's your arrangement? Our, matter of fact, it's with brass too. Is it? No, yeah. not full orc, but just I think it's just yeah. brass and the, the rhythm section. And uh, the uh, that song they did was written by Nancy Harmon. And we'd also recorded the old song "I've Come Too Far to Look Back" that Janet did That's in right. the mid seventies right. with the Neelands, or the, at that time the, the Lefevers still. And we did that. It went number one this year. Tell me about, uh, and Claude will be the best person to answer this, I'm sure, uh, the good business sense that comes, that goes hand in hand with, with ministry and with music. Uh, I mean, you, you gotta have good business sense or it won't work most of the time. Uh, you find that to be true? Absolutely. You cannot, well, the church can't operate without the business part. Yeah. You know, you can have the greatest group in the world and you don't have good management and good people then you'll be out of business. And me, I'm not an expert in business, but it's intuition. I know what it costs to operate. I know what they want to be paid. Mm -hmm. And I know the benefits most people don't realize behind the scenes. They see a beautiful bus, and they see a beautiful ladies dressed beautifully, and the men's nicely dressed. Mm -hmm. But... And there's insurance, there's liability insurance, there's hospitalization insurance, mm-hmm. there's diesel fuel, there's tires, the wear and the tear, and every five years you've got to replace yeah. what you ride on. And um, it's a lot of hidden expense. People would have no idea what it costs to, 
to operate a group. And I'm not complaining because God has provided for sure. our needs over the years. But uh, you got to have a good business along with the ministry. Is there a, is there a secret that you have that has that you've kept with you? Any kind of principle that you've subscribed to that? Um my boys could answer that better than I because uh, I've taught them accountability. It's and called W-O-R-K. And that's not a radio station. <laughs> <laughs> I have a radio station. Here's W-E-A-K. Week. Week. Hey, we're talking about business. Tell me about the new venture because you guys are uh, celebrating 50 years now, and what a way to go into the 50th year. Then with the certification from the, the American Gospel Music, you guys are, are the first artists to, uh, to receive this brand mm-hmm. and, and, and this, um, this certification, this support. Tell me all about it. Tell me whatever you know about it since it's so new to us at this point. Well, the way that I see this is, is, is opening up some new doors, some new um, venues that you don't normally see gospel music in. Uh, namely Carnegie Hall that they're planning for next November, uh, fall of 2007. And um, this the things with the choirs, the churches, the event, the AGM event we're doing in Dallas in May of 2007. That's going to be um, it's going to be a, a kind of a a gathering of such where it'll be a, a choral an event during the day, and that night their main general session will be our gospel music event. Mm-hmm. We hear from people like Lifeway that out of 30,000 churches, they have 40,000 churches that they service in the Baptist realm, mm-hmm. all types of Baptists. And they said that 30,000 of those, uh, that our music was their music of choice. Hmm. Okay, that's, uh-huh. that's great. So how do we break the barrier? How do we uh, open the door when there's maybe one style of worship going on and there's a lot of people that want this style of worship. So um, this may be that vehicle mm-hmm. to reestablish uh, a preconceived idea of what they think our music is. When mm-hmm. you say Southern gospel music, yeah, I'm from the South, and yeah. we sing in the South, but we sing in the North. We sing in the West. We mm-hmm. sing in in Belfast, Ireland. We sing in Canada. Sure. Uh, so what we want to do is... Try not to alienate anyone and give this maybe a new face. Mm-hmm. And so we feel like that, that possibly this might start that ball rolling in that direction. It's what, what we're hoping. And I think with the connotation that maybe some people have, this might change their thought, things, their pattern. Sure. I hope that, I don't know if that uh, helps. Uh, it, the, there's the positive that surrounds this. Uh, could be very, very great for the whole industry. So looking at it in a broad sense, it's it's very much a marketing. Uh, yes. Uh, Branding our, our um, music and uh, taking it to the street. Uh, That's another really good song. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you would say that. <laughs> Claude and Connie, through the years, have you have you watched Southern Gospel or White Gospel or Gospel, however it's been referred to through the years? Mm-hmm. Quartet singing. Have you seen it um, um, kind of go through peaks and valleys in the marketing department? Sometimes it's it's on top, and sometimes it's it's been um, very easy to get the music out there, and then you go through periods where it's kind of at a lull, and it's hard to get people tuned into it. Well, when we got into gospel music uh, full time, well, we sang part part time in the '60s, but it was more like full time, really. Um, 
the crowds were big and uh, they bought the albums. You know, back then we just had the albums. And the 60s and then I think probably in the late 70s seemed like a lull started. Mm-hmm. And through the 80s. And that's, I think, contemporary grew at that particular time. And, um, but then going into the 90s, the Southern Gospel in the late 80s and going back into the 90s, what we called the Southern Gospel music, it began to, uh, you began to see a larger crowd for that and a larger attendance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the 90s, you know, were really good years and on into 2000. But you have the ups and there's always been the ups and the downs in it, I think. I think that's so with every genre of music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, country music and yeah. everything is huge at one few years, and then all of a sudden it takes a lull and something else takes its place. And there's a resurgence. Yeah, comes back. yeah, yeah, I agree. So, uh, Do you think that media, new media, Internet, satellite, radio, stuff like that is going to help in a major way or just help a little bit? Uh, is it mainly the music that's going to sell itself? I think it's helping in a major way. Yeah. I mean, we could already – we could already see or feel the results of internet radio, XM radio. Mm-hmm. I'm just amazed. I'm excited about this branding he's talking about and this joint venture we're going to have. Uh, I'm excited for the future. Was it just coincidental that you guys were the first group to uh, to receive this branding? And am I correct in saying you are the first? Let me say this. I, I really believe uh, as far as the artists that are in our industry um, from the CMP, the Christian music presenter side of it, mm-hmm. I think the Pifers had received that. Right. What's the word? They went through that process. They went through right. that process yeah. uh, last year sometime. We started uh, back in the summer, but we hadn't gotten finished with everything. But we, to to tell you the, uh, what you were talking about while I go, the branding of the AGM, mm-hmm. we were. Okay. We went through the CMP. And then we went through the AGM part of it as and well those are, together. Those are two different yes entities. They're, they're okay. two different entities, and we went through them both. The paperwork kind of much, pretty much in the same week. I mean, it was it was pretty yeah. mind-boggling yeah. of all the criteria you have to go through and meet. But now, as far as the interviews and the presentation that we did, we did that early on in the summer. Do you think the controversy is just because it's something new and different and people just don't like change and they don't understand? Do you think that will just blow over, that it's been surrounding it, the questions that have been coming in about what this is all about? It's going to be an education process, and I think it's going to be positive. Yeah. It, a lot of people like Cadet and Thomas, they're going to look and see. But um, it's like when I started out in gospel music in 1957, I didn't know I can't couldn't do it, and Fifty years later, I still don't know I can't do it. So I'm just looking for opportunities, and I think the doors will be open, and I think eventually the Doubting Thomases will come with us. I think, too, once maybe some of these events take place, like Mm -hmm. in Dallas next May, Mm -hmm. some of the things they're really wanting to do, if they come around and they they are successful and the – What's accomplished there reaches beyond the event and opens up other doors. I think that'll give more incentive, but I think it'll give the confidence. I think they just lack the confidence. And I'm not saying that I had all the confidence, you know what I mean? Sure. But uh, I'm willing, I think we're willing to to try to make this step. And and I hope that 
everyone else will come along. One more question on this and we'll move on. Is this mainly an, and I know fan, diehard fans of Southern Gospel, they, they know all the ins and outs, most part of the industry. They, they really get involved and they sort of know what goes on with driving a bus, you know, and traveling and all the business stuff. They, you know, people who are really into it, they're diehard fans. And so they're, they're probably interested in it. For the casual fan of Southern Gospel, what is it? Does it kind of really make that much of a difference? Do they need to pay attention to all this stuff that's going on? Or is it just going to make a difference in that they'll get to see Southern Gospel in new venues? That's the, that's a big part, seeing it in, in new venues, new places that, that uh, uh, it, it's not normally a concert, you know, and like this Carnegie Hall mm-hmm. uh, opening, I guess they're calling that next year. I mean, it's, um, that's not on the normal concert path. Well, not to a route. For, for, for our type of music, <laughs> sure, sure. you know. I mean, we were up there, you know, doing the, the Gaither shoot, mm-hmm. and I guess that was 02. And, uh, I mean, it's a beautiful place and that'd be a beautiful, beautiful venue to, to kick this off. I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn here, but I am basically a perfectionist when it comes to what we do. And you have to meet certain criteria to, um, to be a part of this. So, you know what? For me, I see this, anybody who is not a part, but wants to, to be a part, it's going to make everybody out there beef up their act a little bit, mm-hmm. improve in every aspect of what they do, encourage them to be the very best and most professional. Yeah. I'm not saying in any way that the Spirit of God has no part in it. Absolutely he does. But just as far as even the business side of it that Claude has talked about, in your performance, in your look, and everything that you do, we need to step up to the plate. And I think that's going to encourage everybody out there to do so. And for me personally, I think that's the greatest thing that could happen because it will only enhance Everybody in, in gospel music. And I think that's exciting. So it's not going to be like a, this is a cool club. And if you're not in the cool club, you're not with it. it's not. going to be more of a challenge and a call. Absolutely. Club. Well, it's like, Absolutely. I don't know if you play golf or not. I, I like to play golf, but I would never make the PGA. Yeah. You have to meet certain criteria to have your PGA under your name, sure. uh, on your business card or whatever. And there's two or three years of, you know, you got to play, you got to play, you mm-hmm. got to play, you got to meet certain criteria before you can say, Hey, I'm a certified. PGA player. Now I realize it's a little different. Mm-hmm. It is a little different, but I agree 100% of what she just said. Maybe it will help us all to yeah. uh, pay a little more attention at production on that album or the way we, you know, carry ourselves or the way we look, you know, just to be the best we can be. That's about the clearest I've, I've heard that defined. I agree. Yeah. I just, yeah, that's I'll good. Kim. Well, thank you. <laughs> If they're looking for a spokesperson, here you go. Well, if you want it straight down the middle, okay. just ask me. Um, Let's let's talk about 50 years next year. You're planning some big things, and um, I hear a tours in the works, a new project, the new book that's being released. Uh, in fact, this year, give me the scoop on the big 50. Well, I'll be honest with you. Our winter, January through June, is pretty much kind of already in place. We've got a lot of things that are going on. We'll incorporate some of the, uh, the heritage, the video that mm-hmm. we that we use now. But starting midsummer into the fall, we're looking at uh, a really, uh, I hope to kick this thing off really good. Uh, yeah. You know, if it, whether it's 30 cities or 40 cities or 50, it doesn't matter. Uh, won't you jump in there, Mike, on this and, and really make some de- definitive uh, evenings mm-hmm. of this 50th anniversary. So also on March the 30th um, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, we'll actually film the 50 year the celebration uh and that 
at that particular venue is the venue that my dad always talks about when he stands up and he talks about the family and how he got into gospel music and where he went in 1957 to hear the Statesman, the Blackwood Brothers sing, and then 56, I'm sorry, Dad. And then a family group came on stage called the Spear Family. Yeah. And that changed his life, and he wanted to be in gospel music. And we're going to film our 50th uh, anniversary celebration in that venue on March the 30th in uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, at the Reynolds Auditorium. So that will be kind of a our kickoff for the year to be able to do that. And we're excited about all the plans that we have for that because we're going to have the original brothers there, of course, all the family, and uh, it's going to be a fun night. And the book. Uh, who wrote the book? Who published it? This is who thought I had ten years ago. You know, people say you got a, you have a book, and I say no. Uh, so we started thinking about it. And five years ago, we thought about it more, and about three years ago, we got serious. And I said, well, if we're going to have a book, we better start writing it now while I'm still living. <laughs> and so, while well, it's still fresh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, like Jesus says, count the cost. And I got to thinking, well. The book will never sell me writing it. Uh, so I talked my wife into writing it with me <laughs> because people will respect her probably more than I. So, but really, uh, that's a joke. But anyway, she and I spent a lot of time, and it's, I mean, a long time, mm-hmm. proofing and proofing and saying it what we want to say. And I, I said to the writer, this is going to be the most difficult thing you've ever tried to write in your life. And he's reminded me three times. It cannot be about Claude. It cannot be about Connie. It cannot be about this group. It has to be that God took nothing and made something from it. <laughs> so I hope this book reveals exactly what I wanted personally and where God gets all the praise but God has used each individual one and members of the family uh, for us to go through this 50 years. Are you pleased with the way it came out? You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I've not completely reading it the last time yet. <laughs> I'm still reading it. He's just uh, signing it. Yeah. Just signing <laughs> Because I read it so many times. Yeah. But the finished work, I have not completed it. I'd like to give this uh, a little stamp of approval. A very dear friend of ours, uh, Dr. Uh, Jim Murray, president of Oakland City University, who is mm-hmm. uh, just a, a great person, great friend. And uh, his wife is a well-educated lady. She is was reading it uh, even this evening, and uh, she, she skimmed over about four or five chapters, and she said, I don't know who wrote this. But whoever did wrote it very well. It's a well-written wow. book, and uh, she's a um, very affluent type person. And, and that doesn't mean that she's any her opinion is any greater than anybody else's. But for her to sit down and, and sure. express that in just a very short moment, she said, "I can tell this book is put together well." I think the biggest compliment on that is when they come by and they say, "Well, I, I got the book and I can't put it down, wow. and I and I read it in just a, a couple days or however yeah. long." That means that you know they didn't get bored with it. Yeah. For someone who's new to the family, um, what I have read and learned through all the research of 
Claude's heritage, you know, back to his grandfather in the times of the Civil War. All those things are very, very interesting to me and how everything actually came about and all the little sentimental things that are mm-hmm. in there that I didn't even know about. And it, it's really exciting and, and uh, enlightening into the whole family and how everything sort of became what it is today. Enlightening. Yeah. Enlightening. <laughs> yeah. I have a, a good friend, uh, uh, Mary Gillistat. She's from the First Baptist Church in Atlanta. She was the administrative assistant for Dr. Stanley for years and years. And uh, she's been reading the book this week. And she told me, I guess she's probably proofread a lot of his books. And she told me, she said the book is uh, is well written. And she said there's a lot of things I'm learning about you that I didn't <laughs> even know. And she likes the personal part of it. Mm-hmm. She said uh, just the personal things in there about the family and uh, that really made it just heartwarming, you might say, yeah. down to earth. And that's that's kind of what we wanted. So I hope everybody will enjoy it. I'm sure they will. And I, I know the hard work is paying off. And I've never written a book. I don't know. But I've heard that it is hard work. The, the very famous writer told the, the publisher who was always, you know, on his case about change this, change that. The writer finally said, where were you when the page was blank? And, uh, you know. <laughs> That, um, I'm sure you've probably experienced that when you're sitting there with a blank page. What do you, where do you start? Where do you go? And uh, it's good to have that finished and to have that in the libraries where we can go back and refer to it. And the, in addition to the music, and that's going to continue, and we can keep up with the Hoppers. How? www.thehoppers.com. Uh, you can go there. You can shop. You can go to our biography and know about everybody individually. And uh, Mike, Mike yeah. takes... Tons of time with putting little mini movies on there from yeah. places all around the world that we sing, little special moments with fans that come and mm-hmm. we take pictures with. And if you have got the high speed, you can download those little mini movies and watch, you know, things that, that we're into, we're doing. You can, you can eat with the hoppers too there, can't you? Isn't there <laughs> some, there's some clips on there where you're sitting around the table? Oh, yes, yes. A lot yeah. of meals with mom. Is it Madison County? Is it, or Madison? Madison, Rockingham County. Madison, North Carolina, near Greensboro? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Well, thehoppers.com. That's it, buddy. Anything else? The brand new uh, CD, The yes. Ride. It's out and available online. And uh, the book is online, too. The book is online also. Let me give you a little tidbit information here. On this new CD, uh, Michael spent hours and hours and hours of videoing everything that we did while we were re- recording the album. Which so, they hated at the time. Oh, I did. Hated it. You know, he caught us in the studio. No makeup. You know, ball caps and everything. For Camera the right in their face. Right yeah, in the face. Yeah. But he videoed every part of this and then edited all this down. And so you get a DVD in with your CD. Wow. And it's the making of the whole album. And uh, one of the most intriguing things I have ever seen. And, and the fans that have seen it said, oh, man, what a great touch. It finally shows us how it all happens. So anybody who buys the uh, CD, you get that. Little special offer inside there. So. It's twenty dollars more. No, no, it's the same it's price free. for fifteen dollars. I wish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nobody checked with, check with Claude first on that, did they? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, he's dad's not gotten Michael's bill for all that yet. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, guys, let's do this again soon, and and here's to fifty more years. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. We hope we're all here in that time. Yeah.